Hello and welcome back to the Coffee Ball Podcast, a weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. Joining me today is the veritable devil on my left shoulder, uh, a man who epitomises just one more pint, uh, is Mr Thomas Fenley. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> very well, thank you very much. And equally, uh, we've got alongside the devil, we've got the angel of the pod, uh, whispering sound legal advice mixed in with a healthy dose of non-league sarcasm. It's Jim. How are you doing, mate? Nice and hot where you are? Extremely hot. <laughs> it's about 10 degrees too hot for me. <laughs> Classic lad from Stockport. And finally, today we have a guest on the pod and someone who might actually know what they're talking about, which will be a nice change. <laughs> so Raj Sonny Tricker works in the, the sports science department at Wolverhampton Wanderers and was previously coaching uh, in, in a couple of roles at none other than Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, so thanks so much for, for joining, Raj. No worries. Nice to be here. Happy days. Well, we'll we'll, we'll crack straight into it uh, with your expertise kind of here and clubs all over the country have started into pre-season now. My my local level is thankfully taking it very easy, but I'd imagine pro clubs are having it a bit more difficult. Maybe you can give us a bit of an intro just on what it's like when you come back from the summer break in in the pro club environment. What is it like when you're you're the one organising the dreaded bleep test and thankfully not having to to run it? (laughs) So, yeah, it's like once the previous season ends then players are sent away with their own programs to do um, by the clubs over the summer which will start off with them doing very little um, and and then slowly progress from there so they're doing more and more closer to pre-season but a lot of players will also go and do their own like pre-pre-season camp with their own fitness trainer um, or go on a little training camp with a few other players like and a trainer so generally when you're coming back to to pre-season you can see kind of straight away who's been <laughs> doing their own thing or, or just nothing at all uh, and you, you can find out quite quickly but yeah there's all sorts of assessments when you come back so like aerobic fitness assessments like you say the dreaded well it's the yo-yo we call it the yo-yo test but basically like a, a football version of the bleep test uh, and then like you've, you've got to do things like take players body fat percentage um, look at their strength and power levels so it's quite like quite brutal no hiding places and yeah you can see who's had a good summer or not (laughs) (laughs) the body fat one has always interested me because I wonder like how bad can it be like I've seen rumors about like Eden Hazard and uh, I don't know if you saw the photos doing doing the rounds of Willian who had his first game for Arsenal yesterday and I mean either that shirt is not slimming despite the cut or or that is a man who's been having a good good month is it is it that bad what's the what's the like the worst you've seen yeah like so I guess it's context really isn't it so to be fat for a footballer would look pretty good to the rest of us (laughs) (laughs) every player will have a kind of optimal range that their body fat would normally be in so for footballers this is generally sort of below like 12 percent um mostly below 10 percent for outfielders so um but yeah everyone will have kind of an optimal range and even if they've just got a bit above that um then they're basically fat for for elite level player anyway so they'll be put into what's called fat club which is not a nice place to be oh (laughs) Oh. Oh dear Oh, yeah, so being, being put into fat club. I think I'd okay. perpetually be there if I was a I had a suit fitting for a wedding last week, and I felt very much the same when my trousers were about four inches too small. <laughs> <laughs> All those moments that you you get the chinos out the drawer, and you're like, nope, nope, it's uh, back in you go, pal. <laughs> those are not getting an outing. And this is why yeah, the... certain shirts I, I just just get used every 
six months as, as your weight fluctuates. Yeah, I could fit in that again. Uh, no, that, I can't wear that shirt again for a considerable amount of time, which is probably how William feels. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised he got caught out, to be fair. I didn't see that one because it's normally, it would normally be the younger players who are like dead early into their careers and they don't realise the impact like, that going away and having a good summer can, can have if you don't keep yourself ticking over. So it would be more the young ones who would normally get caught out without realising it. So it's like the experienced ones, that's probably why they're doing their own pre-pre-seasons because they don't want to be in fat club. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not, not the one. And what, and, and what happens with, um, you know, obviously we've just had the Euros and a, a question from our, our kind of regular can, regular podder, Ash, who's unfortunately Italian. Um, you know, we, we're, we're very sorry to hear about that. So he's uh, he's still on a bit of a bender from from having won it. But I remember when I, I mentioned you coming on, he wanted me to ask about how international competition impacts that. Because Kane, say, has been away, but he's been playing the whole time. So he must be in a perfect nick, but he's mentally drained. Then you've got players who've been at the Copper America, which might be a different, you know, uh, well, they've been on a different continent. They've got quite a lot of recovery to do. And then you've got people who've been sat around doing nothing. So how do you integrate a player back in when you have at top club players coming back at different levels, different ages, who've been doing different things? Yeah, it's it's a really tough one because there's different sides to it. So like on the one hand, Kane, someone like Kane would have been, Yes, they're playing matches and training, but at the same time, they haven't had a break for so long. Um, mm. and, and what tends to happen to players through the season is their fitness levels slowly decline from where they would have been at the start of pre-season just because they're playing so many games and just a lot of fatigue sets in. So until you mm. really have that good rest, you're not going to be as fit as you were when you was in, you know, you had that nice long break and pre-season to follow it. So, so they wouldn't be as in good nick as you might think. In terms of integrating the different ones, obviously it's a it's a big challenge. It must be a nightmare for like you know the new Spurs manager now, um, our old manager. Um, <laughs> so you know like going in there and half your squad's only going to be in for about a week before your your first match. So um, mm. it's it's a really tough one. But you you've got to, the ones who are there from the start. Obviously, would be on a different different training program to the ones who are coming in with like a week or two to go. And I think that's a, uh, you mentioned Nuno being there and obviously you, you've you probably seen in action, I guess. And I think he's, in our first pre-season game yesterday, I think, yeah, he had Mora, Deli Alley and Winks and Dyer. But apart from that, it was basically all youth team products and then second half, a couple of other sort of in, in between like Jack Clarks and that. And it must be really, really difficult, but there's also got to be um, quite a lot of sort of responsibility on the players themselves to look after it, you would hope. But maybe maybe at Wolves they had more. I, I always felt Wolves were very fit and very sharp and very sort of ready to compete whenever the season started. But Spurs, we've had perhaps a bit too gentle a time in recent recent years. I mean, hopefully that's something <laughs> that he'll address, I guess. I mean, yeah, like I, I, I was fortunate enough to learn from the um, a lot of the Spurs sports science staff when I was at university. So the first team staff there, they always, they always seemed like there was an excellent um, department, to be fair, I would say. Did I under Potch the first two seasons? You guys look super, super fit. Like mm. I said, so I, d- I don't know. Like we'll see. Time will tell, won't it? But <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I wonder how much a difference the manager has uh, on that. Probably quite substantial because Mourinho was accused by Solskjaer essentially of like making all the United players unfit, and then he came to Spurs and all the Spurs running stats fell down. And I don't know. Is that a is it unfair to just say it's the manager's problem? Because presumably everyone would want fit players, but maybe some managers, as you say, a Pochettino places more priority on that than others. 
Yeah, like I guess it would come down to the, their philosophy, wouldn't it? So like Mourinho is probably the opposite extreme to to Bielsa, um, where yeah. like, you know if you you're either looking at running more as a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, my impression is like the Mourinho kind of philosophy would be the the less you're running, the smarter you're being, um, and 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 he's like not not a big fan of just doing like lots of fitness work because that's not how his teams play so everything's quite specific to the game model uh, so yeah it's a, it's a debatable one isn't it I'm sure if if he'd won loads of trophies no one would have minded that so. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rather see Fen if you like if you involve someone in a coaching department you've got players rocking up do you want to put them through the burners early and get them get them kind of intense or do you want them to focus on the the tactical stuff first you also don't want injuries you don't want to start you don't want to rush people yeah. back and then end up loading them up with dodgy hamstrings yeah it's a tough one you want to build up the strength don't you and make sure that they're, they're, they're fit and ready to go for the season but yeah at the same time there's no point sending them out fit if they haven't got a game plan and I think I, I don't know if, if, if Raj has seen it in his work that when a new head coach comes in whether there's because obviously there's going to be a settling in period where he's got to put his culture across so it's probably an important time for, for Nuno to, to, to get his message across about how he wants us to play, because it's going to be very different from uh, what went on before. And the less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> so I think it, it, it's probably going to be quite a difficult balancing act for him, because he's it's going to be hard to get everyone back up to fitness, partly because half the squad aren't there. Uh, mm. and, then, and then at the same time, he's got to teach everyone at different paces at different times about what he wants them to do and I don't know maybe is it is it more challenging when when a new head coach comes in just for that first pre-season yeah I'd 100% say so especially at that level on the back of like the recent pandemic or or, um, international tournaments like like you say hardly any time at all with the majority of the squad all together so you won't really see the um like you'll hardly they'll, they'll hardly be able to train as a whole squad together until much deeper into the season so it takes time doesn't it that everyone wants to see that instant impact so I was I wonder like so Jim is a um, fan sort of local local level um league two level and I guess <laughs> don't flatter him don't flatter him hang on conference <laughs> come on conference still but I I don't know I, I always I, I always wonder like I remember seeing Atletico Madrid I think Simeone said he didn't want to go on one of these like big tours a couple I think it was last season. Was it Trippier's first season? They said, I don't want to, I think they had an unusually big turnover in the summer. And he said, I don't want to go away to you know, Indonesia and wherever and play these exhibition games. And they literally went into the mountains in Spain because he said, I need the players to just bond and I need time with them on the training pitch. And presumably at lower league level, you get that because you don't have players away on international duty and so on. So it's a balance. Like, how do you, you know, maybe lower league clubs find it easier in that respect if you've got high turnover of players because you don't have, it's not you got more chance to bond them if that makes sense yeah 100 percent. so I, I used to work at um Dagenham and Redbridge with the first team so that's like that would be that yeah. level of football as well and then um, yeah like you, you get get a good solid like six weeks at least where the whole literally the whole squad's there like you say so team spirits are always like really high during that time um and, and like loads of bonding time sometimes they will start the the start of that pre-season period with literally just a trip away abroad to somewhere like Portugal or, or like you say, the mountain somewhere or just to do pure like running for a week. Um, mm. As much about the bonding as it is about the running, because like 
um, you know, it's just as important, isn't it? So. It's interesting, I think, in particularly at sort of the top end of non-league football, it's become super, super professionalised now, far more so than, than it was 10, 15 years ago. But I always noticed that there's, um, there's, a, there's a dying breed of part-time club at kind of national league level. They're, they're, they're kind of disappearing now because of the way the games become professionalised. But you see with a lot of those teams, they, stand, they, they start seasons really well and they can match full-time professionals for fitness and for stamina. But as the season goes on, you just see them start to wear down. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get, you can, you can kind of watch just patterns of results and play that particularly at the lower end of that division, you start getting the, the part-timers conceding a lot of late goals and getting a lot more kind of, they have a lot more injury problems and what have you. And it's it's interesting that the approach at that level of football and in the Football League as well has, has kind of really been revolutionised to acknowledge that you you know you don't you don't have to have buckets and buckets of money to do this stuff well uh, it's just kind of i guess people buying into the the principles of uh, sports science and, and putting kind of fitness front and center of everything that you do really yeah 100 percent. and i think at, at that level like you can you can get very far by outrunning the opposition especially like you say as the season goes on um i think um, the Cowley Brothers teams have always been an example of that, just outrunning out there. And they're massive on sports science, I think. So, yeah, it's really so important at that level. Do you find, um, or have you experienced in your career, people that are still not necessarily resistant, but some, some people aren't, um, aren't as willing to accept the kind of principles behind sports science and still prefer the kind of, you know, my way is best. I'll send a scout with a dog rather than looking at... <laughs> <laughs> performance data we've all uh, seen that scout we've all we've all been stood at like Dulwich Hamlet and seen that lad there with his dog <laughs> uh, 100% so do you mean from a player's point of view or, or manager like both I guess it's, it's, it's interesting to know how many you know do you get do you, do you get players coaches managers that that kind of are resistant to what you're suggesting particularly if it's new to them uh yeah definitely <laughs> I, won't, I won't name any names I'm, I'm like i've worked at different clubs but i'm my first week at a particular club with a particular manager the manager's speech to the the players after uh hearing like what the sports science team were proposing to him was i don't fucking know a lot about fucking sports science or whatever but what i do know is that you do need to drink a lot of fucking water lad so fucking drink water okay <laughs> <laughs> that was the extent of his uh his sports science buying i mean <laughs> fundamental funda- fundamentals are there but maybe lacking a bit of detail some, yeah. some would say. <laughs> wasn't quite what uh the message was from the sports science team to him but there you go <laughs> i think it's it's mad though like the you know i i I play at like sort of local like step six kind of thing, like in amateur football. And for us, it's like even now, our coach, which wouldn't have happened probably I think ten years ago, will talk about you know not overloading the body. And there's you know the coach has done his UA for B, and he'll understand like you know not everyone plays the same amount of minutes because you have a thirty year old who you're looking to get two good seasons out of, and an eighteen year old who's can run for days. And then you get you you said you were not like, Dagenham and Redbridge. That's sort of yeah you're into the professional game but still at the lower echelons thereof and then you've got a Wolves or a Tottenham where you know it, it's incredibly scientific and really high applied so even now that like on that breadth you can see how 
as you go up the levels the standard that you'll be held to is just so much higher and and I bet like I've heard rumors about players talking about they'll do like sprints when they're like going to get the ball off the pitch in order to try and get their sprint count up on their running stats and stuff which oh. I think is quite quite smart really yeah 100% sprinting to take a corner yeah that's a good yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> We have all been there. We have all been there. Or certainly I have. Um, <laughs> not for you, Fen. Nice. And, and I guess, you know, we touched on Wolves a bit. And I know you were sort of involved there. You know, Wolves have had an amazing few years, you know, coming up into the Prem and then top half finish and then going off in Europe. And I remember reading articles in The Athletic about the sports science team and nutrition stuff and how even coming back from Europa fixtures uh, in sort of different parts of Europe, it was so particular that from the moment you're getting back on the plane, it's thinking about what, you know, what, what nutrition are we giving the guys? How are we going to get them ready again? Is there anything at Wolves that you think you've seen which, which was particularly successful or which sort of surprised you versus your previous experiences? Um, it's a tricky one to say because uh, so at Wolves, I would be working across the academy age groups. Um, mm but then get, you sort of get an insight into what's going on with the first team and obviously you're in, in and around. But I think being at the same sort of level as Tottenham and, and, mm. and again, having been fortunate enough to get an insight into what goes on there, it would be, it'd be very similar at, at that level. Um, mm. I think, as one of you touched upon before, a lot of it's influenced by the manager. So the manager might bring in their own um, their own ideas so the Europeans might do gym training a little bit different to how we would have traditionally done it in that country so um, mm. <clears throat> that was a big thing um, I think at Wolves and Spurs when when new managers have come in they've um, introduced new types of training even just down to what they do in the gym um, that wouldn't have necessarily been here a few years ago um, whereas at lower league clubs you partly because of monetary reasons but um, it will be very much like how it would have been, say, 20, 10, 20 years ago, you know, mm. a, a Wolves or a Tottenham, just because they haven't got the, the budgets to have the same sort of... Um, yeah, no, it makes makes complete sense. And I guess, you know, you you, you mentioned about the having worked specifically in the youth the youth teams in the academies, yeah. uh, or worked with those age groups. Um, I think for Spurs, I, you know, when I watched a bit of the Leighton Orient game yesterday, sat in a coffee shop sweating buckets, um, <laughs> Oh, my girlfriend dragged me into town, unfortunately. But one and thing I noticed is... treated her to you watching the first oh, pre-season no, she... game against Leighton Orient. <laughs> she, she, she wanted to meet a friend and I was like, well, I'm going to go sit in a coffee shop, order a nice coffee and just just wait. That'll do. Um, but but when I when I saw the game, one thing I thought about was you've got all these youth team players coming coming through at Spurs now. So you've got some who are maybe have played a bit of men's football elsewhere, like your Troy Parrott was, at, was on loan at Ipswich last year. Then you've got some who have never done the men's first team preseason, I guess, like Dane Scarlett. Um, what, what do you think, if, if you were talking to a youth team player and you knew he was going to get the chance to go and train with, with the first team ahead of preseason, what would you be telling him or warning him about, you know, maybe in terms of nutrition or his conditioning or something that he might want to be aware of? As, as a, lot of a lot of clubs are going to be looking at their youth systems with, you know, not much money around. Yeah, um, well, I think firstly, make sure you put in a shift when you're there, because the last thing, that, <laughs> that's one thing that's guaranteed to kill you is just, is not working, not working hard when you when you do get the call up to training. Um, so you've got to show the right attitude, you've got to, you've got to be doing everything properly. Um, but they soon learn that anyway from, from being in that sort of environment. Uh, don't nutmeg any of the senior pros. That would be a big <laughs> Really? <laughs> Do you think that would be a bit of a no-no if one came in and sort of, you know, a bit of showboating? That wouldn't go down well. 
No, I wouldn't go down. Well, you got to earn your earn your right to do that. Like. <laughs> wow. I always think cause I, I remember. I think it was Deli Ali on his um, when he first joined Spurs, and we had a pre-season match against. I think it was Real Madrid, yeah. and he nutmegged Luka Modric, and everyone lost their shit on Spurs collective <laughs> Twitter. But our sort of like I don't know. I think if a youth team player came and joined in, and then they they demonstrate, you know, that they've got they've got the feet or they've got the ability, I think that would stand them in good stead. But maybe. Maybe behind the scenes, yeah, it's a bit more hierarchy, a bit more of a pecking order. You gotta gotta earn your way in. hundred oh, percent. Well, I heard a story that again I won't name names, but one of the senior <laughs> players got nutmegs by a youth team player, and that youth team mm. player has never played for Spurs since. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so some this is the thing I find interesting because when the junior guys go in, yeah, and as you say, there are some who sort of go in they seem to train with the first team but they never seem to quite be able to settle in at that level or that environment and yeah. there'd be yeah there's been players who I've looked at before like I always thought Cameron Carter Vickers I always thought he'd be a Premier League centre-back to be honest with you and he's I think he's like 22 or 23 now like he's had like four four or five loans away from the club and he every summer he seems to come in and people look at him whoever the coach is and say mm, go away for another year yeah. and I wonder what what makes what's the distinction there between the youth player who comes in who gets told go get some men's first team football and what's the what about the player who they'd say nah we, we want to keep him with us for the year what's the defining line other than not not making people <laughs> yeah no the nut makes one of the unwritten rules but um <laughs> no, it, I, I, it's a t- it's a tough one i guess it's a lot of it's right time right place isn't it if you're um, like look at Liverpool last season obviously those centre-backs would never have thought they'd be getting anywhere near that first team um, prior to the, all their injuries so a lot of it would be about timing um, and then a lot of it would be on the club's philosophy as well and, and whether the manager's willing to trust in the youth players um, so someone like a Pochettino seemed like he definitely was um, which is obviously really good when you've got an academy as good as Spurs um, have but uh, some clubs will literally keep their players, their best young players at the club because they believe their training and their environment will be better for their development than sending them to a League One, League Two team if they genuinely think those players are going to be uh, Premier League players. But then playing mm-hmm. devil's advocate to that, if you want to give the player a best chance of just having a career in the game, then they need to go out and get those experiences in case it doesn't doesn't work out at, at the level they're at now. So it's a, it's a really tricky, like decision on what's like what is the best thing for players but I think when you're constantly sending them out on different loans it must be really hard for them to actually settle down I think it's a really interesting challenge and I think that I I always think of on the latter side of what you're just saying Brentford scrapping essentially the under 23s right just having the B team and sort of not in their view not having room for stagnation so you have to go out and get that versus I think Poch always kept um, Harry Winks around because he would always say, you know, no, he's best best off training with us. I mean, Jim, you've, as I say, fan of, of of a lower league club. Have you ever seen a player be loaned to you from a from a a club perhaps in the Premier Premiership or Championship or in that kind of stature, and you thought they're just too good for this level or or have done really well and they've arrived? Yeah, the, what you tend to see, and it, it's kind of happened, certainly happened less at Stockport over the last few years, but. There was a time, particularly about 10 years ago, where we ended up with players that had come out of academies, uh, either Premier League or Championship clubs generally, and they would go into what was a League Two team then, quite green. But they ended up 
they sort of went full cycle again. So that included the likes of uh, Ashley Williams, Anthony Pilkington, uh, Wayne Hennessy. Wayne Hennessy, funnily enough, came out of came from Wolves and made his debut at Stockport and um, he set a record in his first nine games. It's never been done before in his first nine games. He didn't concede a goal. Um, so because the defence was really good or he was an outrageously good keeper for the level? Well, they 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 go hand in hand. You can't, you don't go nine games without without conceding. You know, you could, you could have you could have Buffon in goal and if you've got a bad defence in front of him, you're going to concede goals, aren't you? <laughs> but but you, you do tend to see, I think it still happens and it, it, it's it's for the best really that the players kind of they often come out of one club having not made the cut and they work their way back up uh through um so so like a lot of those players didn't get like ashley williams for example left league two stockport to go to league one swansea and ended up in the premier league hennessy i think then went if I remember correctly, I think he went to Palace in the Championship. Yeah, Palace or all. Yeah, Gary Dicker went to Brighton, who was in League One, and ended up working his way up to the Championship. So there's a there's like a, a pathway where if and and that that was all down to the mentality of the manager at the time. His his central view was he always took the view if you've got a 19 year old and a 29 year old and they're at the same level of ability you always take the 19 year old because he'll probably make mistakes and he's a bit more green but there's a lot more growth potential but and so so he kind of placed a lot of trust in young players and accepted that occasionally they made mistakes and you you know sometimes you'd have an off day and get dipped four nil but three times out of four <laughs> you know they he trusted them and that's the that's the way they learned um, and that, in a way, is it's kind of how the pyramid's supposed to work, that, you, that you've got this pathway for players to come out of a, uh, particularly out of academies, because academies are terrible for being wasteful in football's careers, and giving them another opportunity. Um, but that can only happen, you know, you don't, if you're a, well, whether you're a Spurs or an Everton or whoever, you don't send your players to, if you've got a young player, you're not going to send him to Wilson if you don't think that he's, his development at Wieldstone is going to be, yeah, benefit. You know, scratch. So those, it's kind of incumbent on those clubs as well to be doing what they can within their means. I think I saw Arsenal started having. I think they've got a, a like essentially like a head of loans now. So they've got like a dedicated <laughs> position to evaluate is that loan working for the player? And I, f- I forget who uh, was it. Eddie and Ketty went on loan to to Leeds. I think they looked at him three months later and they just said, look, he's not getting enough game time. So it's great he's training with Bielsa, but we'd rather he goes elsewhere. But I always think when you get young players doing that and they go out, they, I think you kind of find your level as well. Like mm. I think we've, we've had, is it Jack Rolls fan who went on loan to Cambridge? And I think he got like 12 goals from centre mid and do, did brilliantly. So he's going to come back and that will be a good evidence for him to go up. Troy Parrott, who a lot of people had, you know, high hopes for partly because he looks he's got the kind of build of a Harry Kane which I'm not sure is a compliment like that's essentially <laughs> being quite a slow six foot two striker but <laughs> Troy Troy Parrott went out and loaned yeah two championship clubs and essentially didn't score at each and for me that would be that'd be more of a warning it's like well you think you're you know the bee's knees from the academy but if you can't if you go if you drop down a division or two and you you aren't standing out maybe that that says something that the player needs to come back and reassess almost. Yeah, 100%. I think that head of loans role is becoming more and more common for that reason because it's about going to the to the right environment for for the player and it must like be tough on their confidence if that does happen to them and they 
they're this hot prospect, but they go on a couple of loans that don't work out for them. So um, I think that's why a lot of clubs are paying close attention to it. Like working in lower league football, I've seen players come down from Premier League clubs and you can see they're looking around like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest like drop down moment? What's what? I mean, if if a player goes down yeah from maybe a Wolves to, to a League One. What's what's the immediate change in their day to day that they that we wouldn't know as a fan? So this wouldn't be a League One, but like a national league story where like in pre season you've got all players doing all sorts of scandalous uh, <laughs> all sorts <laughs> of things. And equally staff as well. So I'll just pick pick a few random ones. But like um so players in like obviously they're doing a lot of in high intensity training in pre season. So you have to make sure they're all hydrated. Um, for their for their own well being, like oh sure, no, you know, but yeah, they've got to do the, the piss test basically. Uh, so, oh, <laughs> um, but like now at a Premier League club, I assume that all players do that test like properly. What used to happen a lot at National League level, from what I've seen, is players knowing full well they're dehydrated and then filling their piss tube up with water instead, <laughs> <laughs> thinking that they like clock onto it. Uh, so okay. And, yeah, and then, you get a bit of hijinks. Yeah, a bit, bit of that going on. Uh, another one was like players would be asking for an ice bath after pre-season training and you're not really supposed to do it. It's more something you do just after matches um, when you're in a congested fixture period. Um, so to trick the players into thinking they'd have an ice bath, the staff would fill up like a wheelie bin with cold water, but it wasn't really cold enough to be an ice bath. And the players would be convinced they're having an ice bath. So if you've come from a Premier League club and you're used to actual ice baths, you must be thinking, what on earth is this? Like? <laughs> <laughs> Wheelie bin in the car park and you get yeah. lads. That's the only option. That's it. That's you, Dan. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that's the, you know, you mentioned our, own, our, our understanding, at least, externally, is that Spurs' Spurs's facilities are perhaps some of the best in the country, you know, right up there in terms of the, the training ground, the stadium and everything. And I wonder that probably plays a role in, you know, as I say, you've got the likes of likes of your Dane Scarlets at the moment and, uh, you know, your Ollie Skips. And they're players who, if you want to nurture them into Premier League players, is it better for them to go down and experience the ice bath in the wheelie bin for a couple of years to toughen them up? Or is that actually going to, you know, be detrimental? It's a tricky balance to to find, I think. Because I've, I've always... I've always wondered, well, do teams ever form like affiliations? Like Spurs, um, Spurs are pretty close to Fenn's local club, Stevenage. And I, I'm always surprised. I mean, occasionally a player goes on loan there, but I would have thought it's a perfect, like, sort of, I don't know, learning environment for um, for a player to go to that kind of club. Yeah, you'd, you'd think so. I guess it depends on what kind of football that club's trying to play as well. Because um, mm. if it's fine with what you're trying to do, it's probably not a like it's almost pointless sending the player there if, if you genuinely think they could be a future first team player why would you send them somewhere that plays nothing like you do so yeah I've I've, I've unfortunately watched Stevenage for my sins a couple of times in person and I, I, I wouldn't say Fen that you you guys play sort of you know total football I wouldn't say it's liquid uh, we're on the up <laughs> I was say, we're all been the watching up. Spurs for the last 18 months because yeah. they certainly haven't been playing liquid football <laughs> I've actually forgotten what it looks like no happy days well look and maybe want to finish on Raj and give us some positive thoughts like and hopefully you know we're all very excited about Nuno it's a shame it took quite so long for him to finally get in when he was quite a sensible appointment we felt from the outset what can you know did you see him around the club at all what what kind of 
what was his reputation? Is there anything that we we should know as people who maybe haven't followed Wolves as close as fans or obviously in a in a working environment? What 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 should we know about him which we don't? I think like his record speaks for itself, doesn't it? Like he's he's taken Wolves to heights they've never been before, um, and you know he fully deserves to be at a club that are challenging for the trophies. So it's surprising he's ended up at Spurs on that note. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you, when you started saying that, I thought, in my head, I was thinking, Ken, has he watched Spurs? <laughs> <laughs> Had to get that one in there because the missus is familiar with all Spurs fans. So. Uh, OK, fair, fair enough. Get another right. new person, new listener then. New listener can take him <laughs> up to 10. No, and is he, I mean, my impression of him, yeah, has always been, he always seems well-liked by the playing staff. You know, they've always sort of spoken of him in high regard. There was a lot of chat about this word pragmatism and whatever, frankly, the fuck pragmatism means in the world of football. But supposedly he is pragmatic. Do you do you think he's going to be particularly kind of playing one style of football or do you think he's he's going to kind of take it as he comes and he'll just assess? Because it's as you say, it's a different environment for him and he's got a fresh start, which is a quite a nice way of looking at it. Yeah, 100 percent. I'd say he'd probably be able to do things that he wouldn't be able to have done at Wolves with the players he's got now. Um so he kept trying to switch to a back four last season, but mm. often had to revert back to the back three. Um, I think at Spurs, there's probably more scope for, for playing two strikers and playing a bit more dynamically. Um, so, yeah, no, it'll be really interesting, to be honest. I'm quite excited to see what he does, because I think there's um, there's a lot more to him than what, what he's probably showed so far. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily think he'd go there being pragmatic, I think. Uh, mm. And he, I mean, the final two questions then. First, we'll put you on the spot for it. Prediction for Spurs for the coming year. Where do you think we'll we'll get to? And please don't say we'll win the Europa Conference League because that is just not an achievement in my eyes. I think you'll come top of the bottom 13 table again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so, I take it, unfortunately. Let's <laughs> um, answer. And, and who do you support yourself, Raj? So I grew up with uh, two teams who I still follow. So Birmingham City and Liverpool. Okay, and and Liverpool. What's your what's your either gripe or your your positive feeling for the season? Happy or still a bit uncertain? You know what might play into their hands is we've had it seems to have like a lot less players who have gone and played in the Euros um, than a lot of other teams might. Mm. I think could surprise a few people. Uh, could do refreshing up the front three. I think, but mm. I, I'm not really. Not- do you not think Harvey Elliott can can maybe you know be be an impact player in that in that respect? He's the only one who I think you guys got coming through in the front end of the pitch who makes me think yeah he's got that potential. Oh definitely, I think he's got like amazing potential. So hopefully he gets given a chance, not sent yeah. out to the wheelie bins. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he, he was at he was at Blackburn last year and he he was absolutely amazing from on all accounts. So he's he's certainly earned. The crack at it, I think, and Canate at the back. I saw some photos of him in training. He looks enormous. He looks like an absolute unit. So if Van Dyke and him can play together, and you got Gomez still and Matit, then who knows? Maybe that that means that you can return Fabinho to his his natural berth in the middle of the pitch. Well, look, uh, we all very briefly then just for wrapping up, we're touching on Leighton Orient and the that preseason game. Fan, I know you watched. Um, what was your 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 sort of 30-second view on it, Ben. 30-second view, uh, absolutely nothing. There was absolutely <laughs> nothing to gather from that game. He had about, well, I think you said it, like about six first-team players, uh, and they're barely, they're, they're not even starters. 
you know mm. I don't really count Joe Hart as all of that uh, <laughs> and the rest were just kids and it, we all get excited about Dane Scarlett scoring a goal but yeah, it was a very good finish and there's promising things to come from him and Niall John who I was quite impressed with in, in central midfield but apart from that what a pointless exercise but more importantly it was it was a charity game it was for the Justin Edinburgh Foundation mm. um, I think we tweeted some stuff about if you can't donate to that charity to get defibrillators into more sports clubs, then there's a petition to sign to get Justin's laws, they're calling it, to, to make it a legislative requirement. So let's remember why, why they, they were really there and ignore the fact that it was an absolute waste of my afternoon. <laughs> no, amen to that. Um, something that we should all we should all have. And who knows, fam, maybe you should... I, I had my first pre-season last Saturday and uh, my coach just said minutes in the legs about a 2-0 defeat so who knows maybe that's the simple answer is you just you just look at it as minutes in the legs whatever the hell that means lovely stuff and no transfer news to report because we're not going to report on just rumors we will report on it when something actually comes through because otherwise it's too boring for anyone and on on that note i think you know we're pretty far down the tottenham high road in the words of fen um so probably a good time to, to call it a day Raj, it's been an absolute pleasure getting you on, mate. Thank mm. you so much for, for, for taking the time on your, yeah, on your Sunday. I hope you, you've enjoyed and we'll leave it there for today. But if you like what you hear, recommend us to a mate. Give us a follow, cock and ball underscore pod on Twitter. There you go, Fen. That's how you link in a social. Uh, and otherwise, uh, enjoy your summer and join us next time for more Spurs shenanigans.